You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. I'm Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. I'm Mark Berkshire with Mark Berkshire Ministries in Lecrone, PA. And we are actually redoing <laughs> this <laughs> podcast that we did on Good Friday, uh, talking uh, about how do people of faith respond to this whole quarantine, not just the coronavirus, but the whole quarantine aspect. And I got to be perfectly honest, we talked for what, over an hour? Yeah. I don't remember a thing we said. <laughs> I don't. And I lost the data because I didn't save it to my computer. I immediately shut my computer off to go do something else. So we didn't save any of that information. So <clears throat> excuse me, we're literally taking this from scratch. So, uh, okay, let's start with, uh, now, here, let me start with this. And I don't even know if we talked about this last time, but there's a lot of people now who are like, we shouldn't be on quarantine. We shouldn't be on lockdown. Uh, even though the government says we should be. Um, and this isn't just the church. Like, you know, there right. were people in the church saying, oh, we should still gather. And uh, you've seen <clears throat> in the, the group that we're a part of, people saying, you know, they've had people leaving their church because they're afraid to gather, which there's a word for that. It's called baloney. Yeah. Because <clears throat> that's, that's, that's not even what, the verse that people use to justify that Hebrews 25 means, but what is your response to people that say, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be on quarantine anymore. Uh, we should be out free and running around and, you know, we should all be like Floridians running, hitting the beaches. Well, I kind of have mixed feelings about that because I, on one hand, I can understand wanting to be, safe and make sure that we, you know, we, we put that, take that curve out or what that spike out or whatever it is and knock it down. And on the other hand, we are human beings that need human interaction and just being on, on Skype or FaceTime or whatever it is, Zoom, is not the same as being in the room with someone talking to them. Right. Um, it's close, but it's not the same. My dog. So, oh, so I can see where people are coming from saying we shouldn't be on quarantine anymore. I think that we could go out and be safe if everyone listened. The problem is you get people who it's like being in kindergarten. One person ruins it for the whole class and you get stuck inside for recess. That's kind of the way it is. People don't pay attention. They, they want to throw these big, you know, large parties and stuff like that. And we just can't do that right now. Um, but I don't think that I think there's a way to reopen churches and meetings like that in a safe way. If you bring people into the church and have every other pew filled instead of every pew, you know, or chairs, every other, every other row, um, keeping your distance and spacing everybody, there's safe ways to do it. Um, everybody wearing a mask until we're told not to. Um, you know, those, those are things that we could do and still get out. Now, saying all that, okay, good. saying all that, we, we still are under the government's rule. And as Christ followers, we need to obey the authorities above us and that govern us. So, so let, me, let me push back. That's a little the important bit. thing. Uh, I'm all for the, all for the. And again, this isn't about what I think, but I'm all for the, the being inside as long as it keeps people safe, which is what originally why there wasn't a lot of pushback because people wanted to, okay, let's keep people safe. But then a lot of people lost the focus mm -hmm. uh, because, 
you know, there was a cost. There was a huge economic cost. Our whole economy is literally crashing. And then people started again. And I think we did talk about this. Maybe we did started comparing this to the flu. And it's mm. not as, as you know, um, dangerous as the flu. And it was never about the flu. Or, or it was about the no. fact that it was so contagious that it would cause people to overwhelm hospitals. Our hospitals would not be able to <clears throat> meet the needs if, every, if, if, if everyone got so sick at the same time. So it was really just about stay home, buy us time to get our hospitals up to speed. Most hospitals, uh, and even our government resources, they're, they're equipped to handle like a 10% response, maybe 20 uh, to anything, unemployment, all this stuff. And now we're dealing with 10, 20 times that, which is why everything is overwhelmed. So now people are like, hey, yeah, we, you know, those people are important, but we really don't. They've really gone to the other side. Like, we don't have to listen. We don't have to stay inside. Not everybody's going to get sick. And even if the ones who do, is it worth it? So is it is it is it worth continuing to stay inside even when the government says so, just for the few people that might get sick, and out of those few people, the few people that might die, because that that's the general consensus now. Because people have been locked in, you know, for what it has been six, eight yeah. weeks. Yeah, I'm going on day forty. So, <laughs> um. I think what was that Star Trek uh, saying that Spock said <clears throat> need, before he died? The needs, the needs of the many outweigh the the needs of the few or yeah. the one. Yeah. So, and I mean that's a Star Trek quote, but it's still very applicable in in our situation. Um, the needs of the many outweigh the wants of the few. Um, And I mean, I'm all for staying in if that's really the reason we're staying in. Um, I'm not for staying in if it's giving up, if it's for the reason of us giving up our rights and freedoms that were once there. Um, and I don't know do if really that's think, the case. Do you really think that that's, I mean, I, I hear people saying that. I, I just find it hard to believe that there's this mass conspiracy because to say, I'm going to take your rights by having you stay in. Because by doing so, uh, the people that are doing it are losing power and losing money, which is power. Yeah. If it were gaining them more money, it'd be like, oh, well, you know, well think about it. Let's think about this for a minute. And, and I just saw a, uh, a documentary last night that said, is this a pandemic or a planned-demic? And I got thinking about it. Back in October of, 19, of 2019, Bill Gates led a group in New York City and it's on it's on the internet. You can find it because I I kind of looked it up and I don't remember the name of it now. But they did this thing. But they were they were doing a mock response to a coronavirus pandemic in October of 2019. Bill Gates has the vaccine that he wants to do, and he wants to make every person in the world have this vaccine that will have a chip in it that will track us wherever we go to make sure we know where who was infected and who wasn't um he also something interesting about him if you go back years from you know 2015 and beyond and further back bill gates always funded Planned Parenthood, which is the abortion clinics. His father was the 
starting founder and president of Planned Parenthood. And he makes no, uh, Bill, Bill Gates makes no, um, he doesn't hide the fact that he's for population control in the world. So he's involved in all of this. Well, and let me, let me throw this out because I think, I, I mean, I'm not trying to do a conspiracy theory because I'm not a conspiracy I, I think it's theory valid, guy. But I don't think it's he started this. I think it's he and others that are capitalizing on this. I think he and others yes. have been working on all other kind of viruses. Um, I don't think yeah. he... I'm not saying that he started it. I'm not saying he started it. Chinese to make this happen. Yeah. I think that... Uh, but I, I'm, I think he's taken... This is one of the scenarios that, you know... Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Let's roll with it. And yeah, and and they're like everybody yeah. that's capitalizing on it. I mean, well, and, and it's been said that you never let a you never let a crisis miss the opportunities that are there. Yeah. Um. You know. So the one good thing I've seen out of this, because I I'm not. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy at all, but the one good thing I see out of this is the number of Christians or people who are coming to the Lord through this. Yeah. Yeah. There are hundreds of thousands of people who are coming to the Lord. Yeah. Through because of this virus that probably wouldn't have been thinking about it if things weren't, you know, if things were different. Right, and it's not to say that God caused this. Uh, he definitely allowed it to happen, as he allows man to exercise their free will and do what men do. Right. But he allowed it to happen, but definitely, I think we did talk about last time, uh, where I lost all the information, was God using it for his purposes. It's good, yeah. yeah. And, and I do believe that. I believe God, I believe God allowed this. If you look at the, the Israelites... Every time the Israelites strayed away from God and basically turned their backs on God, God did something to shake them up or allowed something to happen to shake them up. And I believe God's allowed this to really shake us up and get the Christ followers to really think about what it means to be a Christ follower. Right. He's allowed this to happen to, to get our attention and take our focus off of all of the distractions, the the football games, the baseball games, the the movies, the everything, and get us to really focus on him. And uh, you know, I, I think it's funny. Google came out with a thing uh, when this right after this started that said that the the most downloads and people on Google searching the most for was religious or spiritual sites. You know, they weren't searching for porn or porn or anything else. They're searching for answers to to this this pandemic. So I think it's a good opportunity for us as Christ followers to to um, be able to share you know, how we're going through it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, I think there, uh, I know one of the organizations I work with, uh, um, Groundwire, they have a, a website, Jesus cares, and they put out lots of information specifically to spark conversations amongst young adults and millennials and even some teens. And then they have a portal where people can come and chat and ask questions about, you know, anything, mm -hmm. uh, I'm being bullied, suicide, my husband left me, you know, well, anything. And it's manned by Christians, uh, you know, Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians. Uh, and I volunteer there. I try to do it more. I just haven't been able to, but I'm only doing it a couple hours a week. Uh, and they have had literally, I think, between March and this month, close to 10,000 people commit their lives to Christ, uh, either in mm -hmm. chats or through uh, their website because people are, are seeking and they don't average anywhere near that, that 
much before. Maybe it might be 500, maybe a thousand in a two month period. Whereas over the last two months, it's been, you know, almost 10 times that because people yeah. are looking, people are vulnerable, people are concerned, they're facing their own morality more than they've had to in the past. But so while people are, are quarantined, uh, I think this is one of the things we do. What can they be doing? Because you're right, people are searching. What can people be doing to be more evangelical, to, to share the gospel, uh, to, to make more quality use of the time? I know we're looking at the tail end now because a lot of places are, within the next couple of weeks, we'll be kind of opening business back, businesses back up. Uh, kids won't be going back to school, but overall, what are some of the things that people can do to be more evangelical, to take... Uh, to make use of this opportunity that we have uh, to kind of share their faith and exercise their evangelical freedom, so to speak. I think the number one thing is to pray that God would give you an opportunity to do that. Um, if we're not seeking God to give us an opportunity to share our faith, we can often miss the opportunity that he has presented to us. So I, I think it's important first to pray, first to understand the Bible before you talk to anybody, understand what it means to be a Christian. So spend some time reading. We've all so, got lots of time now. No excuse. Yeah. Spend some time in the word and, 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 you know, follow the old Roman road, as they say, they used to say, you know, that, that we're all sinners and that, that our the result of our sin is death. But Jesus took that upon himself on the cross and died for our sins and rose again and conquered death in the grave and is now at the right hand of the Father. And if we believe in our hearts and confess our sins to him, we'll be saved. And, you know, it's that easy to share. And a lot of people get afraid of being rejected, afraid of being put down or called names or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's a small price to pay if you plant a seed in someone's mind to seek Christ. You know, it's not about us. It's about him. So, you know, I, I don't think it's, we can, we can, once we know our Bible, once we've prayed about it, it's as simple as if you're checking out at the cashiers at the supermarket and they've been frustrated all day with everybody. This just happened to me because I finally got out to go grocery shopping the other day. I just told Dawn I was going and I went, <laughs> but I went to the grocery store and I stood behind the line, as they said, and I did everything they were saying. And. I, I asked the, the girl that was waiting on me or that was checking me out. I said, um, has, have you had a good day? She says, my shift's almost over and I'm glad of it. I said, well, I'm sorry. I hope that I'm going to be the, the best day, the best customer you had today, because I'm going to tell you to have a good day and that God will bless you. And that's all I said. And she got a big smile on her face as I, as she was giving me my change and leaving. So, you know, I may have been the only person put a smile on her face that day. Who knows? Um, but we can do little things like that that make a difference to people. Um, thank the mailman for delivering your mail. I mean, you know, we leave them out a lot of times. But we need to thank them for, for being out there and, and, and putting their lives on the line to get us our mail. Yeah. The pharmacies for getting our medicines to us, you know, the, so FedEx, just, the just FedEx guy. Nice to people. Exactly. That's the whole thing. And yeah. by showing people that kind of kindness, it comes from God. And in this kind of situation that we're in, people are going to start asking, well, where are you? Why are you so happy with all this? And that will give you the opportunity to really share with them where your joy really comes from. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's, um, 
I, I think those are a couple of ways. I mean, if you know an elderly person or um, someone in your community that can't get out, volunteer. Go, yeah, volunteer to go get groceries. Yeah, you know, leave it on their doorstep. Um, if you have an elderly person that and you're and you know for a fact that you're safe and there's nothing wrong with you that needs help inside by cleaning or something like that, offer to to go in and clean. Because yeah. I'm sure some of them aren't getting their houses cleaned right now because they're they're afraid of everything. But if they know you and have a good good connection with you and you you know you're safe, they may be willing to let you in and clean their house. Uh, I'll go one further and say, even if they won't, maybe they'll let you cut their grass and do stuff outside their house. Exactly. Uh, a lot of... <laughs> A lot of yards are starting to grow as the weather warms up and, uh, you know, the elderly people, even the ones who would normally do it themselves, they're not going out at all. Um, yeah. So uh, offering to do that. Yeah, that's that's one way to do it. And really, I think the whole be nice to people, especially the people you're on quarantine with. Yeah. <laughs> that's number one. Uh, but also the people, uh, yeah, when you do hit that cashier or that, I don't know what else there is to other than cashiers that we're seeing because everything else is closed. The person that brings your food to the car when you're. <laughs> yeah. The person that brings your, your food to the car. Yeah. Them. Um, I had one interaction with a, a cashier who I was telling Christy, I was like, I never thought about this way. I said, how's your day going? And she said, it's the same as every other day. She said, this is the worst groundhog day ever. <laughs> and I laughed and I said, you know what? I actually never thought about it that way. She said, I've only been working here three weeks. Uh, and when I got hired, they asked me, can you work these days and these days and these days? And I said, every day is like every other day now. So I can work whenever you want. And every day is the exact same. And I was like, well, you know what? That is funny. It's true. But I'm hoping that today you have a much better day. And this weekend you have a much better weekend. I mean, you don't even have to, you know, bring God into it. Just be nice to people. Right. You know, just right. show some, some, some love and kindness and show the love of Christ. You don't even have to talk about God. Just be nice to people, especially if it's people you're going to see on a regular basis. God will open the doors for you to share the God part. Just be a nice human being to be. Yeah. One, I'll go a little bit further on that. Check out their name tag. Address yeah. them by their name. I always try to do that. Yeah. yeah. Call that. I look at their name tag and then call them by their name. Sometimes yeah. I get a weird look, like yeah. been stalking me, and I and I will usually point to your name. So I used to say like, "Hey, Mark. Yeah, how's your day going?" And and then I get a weird look. So now I go, "Hey," and I pretend I'm focusing on their yeah. name tag so they know that's where I'm getting it from so they don't get weird out. Right. They usually respond with a smile and they're more at ease and relaxed and yeah, but that's right. a really good idea. Yeah. So, but those are my ideas as far as what we can do to show God's love and, and be a little uh, evangelical or evangelistic yeah, in our so approach. Great. Uh, we should be spending time, you know, people should have read through the Bible twice by now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just reading even one chapter a day, think about it. You, you, you mo That's more than most people normally would have read because yeah. they're busy and they're working and, and children's activities and whatever. Uh, so um, now you have more opportunity, pray, Bible reading, being nice to one another, volunteering to help out. Uh, where, where you can, granted, there's not as many opportunities now because everything's so uh, protected, for lack of a better term. Uh, so um, I know I help out giving out food. I haven't been able to help out at the food bank as much, but I'm going to start helping out there in May. And there are other people that are helping out, like picking up food, like you said, and delivering it to their neighbors on a regular basis. So, yeah, there are things that we can be doing that will kind of help us uh, open the door to, you know, sharing yeah. the gospel with people. Here's another thought. Just throwing it out there. Pick a, pick a floor at the hospital. Um, you know, whatever, how, whatever they do. 
but pick a section or a floor at the hospital, send them lunch. You know, call, call Olive Garden or someplace and say, how much would it cost to, you know, feed 15 people? Yeah. I know and, a lot and, of places, my, my, I mean, Christy works at the hospital, so she's been telling me a lot of places have been doing that for hospitals, and that's great. I'm glad that businesses yeah. are, are taking care of the hospital workers. But the ones who are hurting are the overnight staff. Yeah, because they, they don't get that. They, they don't, don't get that. That's a good point. That's so good point. make sure that you can arrange something, even if you have to take it and drop it off at the front desk. Yeah, even if you only do it once. Yeah. Yeah. For the night shift. Yeah. And if you want if you want them to know that you sent it, give them a little note. Thank you for all your hard work, you know, and sign your name. If you want it to be anonymous, just say here. Would you please yeah. let them have it? You know. That, Tell, that them Jesus. Is, Tell them Jesus sent it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Cause I remember when I was uh I was working in telecom um with the, the group that I was managing. Um, I would go in on like Thanksgiving, Christmas holidays or whatever, and I would bring dinner to the evening shift. But then somebody was like, oh, yeah, what about the midnight shift? I was like, that's a really good point. So I had to start, okay, set alarm, get up, you know, and bring bring yeah. those guys. Because they, same thing. No, no one thinks about the midnight shift, you know? Yeah, I mean, to really be a Christ follower – we have to be intentional yeah. about what we do. And, you know, we can be casual about anything. But when you take that step to be intentional about giving it, you know, make set, like you said, setting your alarm, getting up and going in at midnight to, to deliver food, that's, that's an intentional thought. God sees that as an intentional thought. You're going to be blessed. You're blessing someone else. So, you know, it's a win-win for you, you know, yeah. if, if you follow that. Yeah, and like like David said, I don't want to give anything that didn't cost me something. Right. right? So, right. yeah, it's going to cost you some time. It might cost you uh, some money. And time is more valuable than money because you can always figure out a way to beg, borrow, or steal money. Mm -hmm. Once time is gone, it's gone. So that's the most valuable thing we have. And when you invest your time in other people, it's huge. Even if they don't know it's you, like you said, <clears throat> right. Jesus loves you. God sees all that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. That's going to make an impact on somebody more right. of an impact on a night shift uh, than it will on, on just, you know, the day shift. Cause everyone's doing the easy, Oh, send over lunch at night. Right. No one's doing send over. Let me bring over food at two thirty-seven AM in the morning. Right. You no, know, those right. guys are hungry too. So. Yeah, and they work an eight-hour shift just like everybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, and nobody's bringing them lunch. Nobody. Yeah. Let me, let me bring this to an uncomfortable place, and then we'll close it down. <laughs> so we were talking about the, uh, the, the, you know, the whole theory, should, should we continue to be on lockdown? Some places are opening it up. Uh, what's the perspective on the protests that are happening? Should Christians um, be a part of those protests? Uh, when they're protesting something that is totally within the government's rights to do. And I know people are going to say, well, they don't have the rights. I've seen where, you know, the local sheriffs and some senators, the government hasn't doesn't have the right to do this. And other people, uh, yeah, they do. And, and even the churches, the government doesn't have the right to tell me when not to meet and all that kind of stuff. So what, what's the, where should the Christian fall? What should be the Christian response when things like that, those type of protests jump up and people are saying, you know, they're taking away your rights. You should come protest with us. I don't think we should protest right now. Um, I don't think the protests that are going on right now would benefit a Christ follower uh, to get involved. Um, I think the reason that a lot of Christians are, freaking out about this is because we forget or, you know, we forget who God is. This, as I said, the last time, the one we lost, this doesn't surprise God. Right. This didn't take him by surprise. Wait, before you finish, let me just clarify. So you are saying for 
are you saying a Christian should not protest at all or just this current level of protests that are happening right now, a Christian shouldn't? I'm saying this current protest right now. But there are times. There are times. When a Christian, yeah, definitely should get out. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Right, Just wanted to clarify that because yeah. some might walk away. <clears throat> exactly. Abortion is a big thing. I mean, that is one that Christians should be involved in in protesting is, is you know, to take a life uh, of, a, of an unborn baby is wrong. That's something that we should get involved in and we should make our voice known however that shows. Um, so, yeah, there are things that we should protest, definitely. Um, a pornography store coming into the neighborhood probably is a good thing to protest if you're a Christ follower, you know, um, things like that. Um, if, if it was legal in Pennsylvania, if the brothel came into the neighborhood, that might be something worth protesting. But this right here, the Bible is very clear about government and us following the laws of government. The only time we should protest that is if it overrides God's law, God's word. Then we should get involved in protest. In my mind, right. So, so right, right now we're not. They're not doing anything that is overstepping God's right, authority. Right. So right now, the current protest is really a personal debate or preference on whether or not yes, we should open now. No, we shouldn't open now. And these all originated off of a place of safety. Um, if you don't take into all the conspiracy theories of right. what cause it, but place of safety, hey, we're trying to keep people safe. We don't want people to spread this so fast that it overwhelms the medical system. It's not a, you know, like a God's law. We, everywhere else can stay open except for the churches. We don't want churches to gather. That's, that's obviously something, yeah, worth. That's okay. something different, yeah. Yeah, so this isn't government trying to say, you as American citizens have no right whatsoever. We're taking all your rights. Sorry, my phone is responding to me. This is more of the people uh, kind of trying to determine, hey, I'm hurting economically. I want to be open now. Right. And, um, yeah, trying to, trying to protest and say we should be open now. And that's really a, a place of more of opinion and preference rather than government being right or wrong right and and to be honest i would rather take the extra caution and wait another few days before everything opens back up if that's what what it takes um but i think the biggest thing is to remember that as as a christ follower we do not have to be afraid or fearful about what's going on right now and there's so many church people, and I say that literally is just church people, not Christ followers necessarily, church people who are afraid of what's going on. They, they buy into some of these conspiracy theories, um, and they, they look at it and they're so afraid. But if you look at Bible prophecy, everything that's happening has been said, been told to us that it was going to happen. Including the locusts. I don't know if we mentioned that. On yeah, those including the locusts, the earthquakes. Earthquakes increasing. Um, floods. Running rampant. Plague. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is like. It's Bible. It's Bible prophecy. And, yeah. and the, pro the sad thing is that most churches don't teach Bible prophecy. Most pastors steer away from it. And it's sad because they're missing out on a third of the Bible when they don't preach it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, so I think a lot of people that, that are afraid or scared through this are the ones that haven't really been taught Bible prophecy, yeah. you know? And, and so if you if you understand Bible prophecy, 
you understand that we are getting close to the end of the church age, which this is a whole nother podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Getting, Maybe we do one on, on problems. Yeah, we're getting close to the end of the church age, which means we're getting close to be raptured out of here. And that should excite us because Jesus is coming soon. So, um, you know, the, the, the big thing I get out of this is what, what I have benefited from being in this quarantine is I have gotten to spend more time in the Bible. Yeah. I've gotten to spend more time in prayer. Yeah, definitely. I've had time to listen to good, solid Bible teaching more. So I'm getting fed because yeah. a lot of times pastors and preachers don't get fed because we're always getting ready to feed someone else. Yeah. yeah. So this is our opportunity to get fed with, with the word of God. And um, I think that's exciting, you know, and, you know, and, and the thing is that with churches being shut down, with all the live streaming that's been going on and things, the gospel is being preached to parts of the world that we've never imagined that we could get into. Uh, definitely. Definitely. And, um, and that's the upside. Yeah. So I'm going to bring it to another place. I know I said I was going to shut it down, but you made me think of something. So, Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> well, no, cause I, I mean, I've been, I've been, Praying more, I've been able to actually volunteer a little bit more in different ways than I have before in other communities, um, spending more time uh, in the Bible. But also, uh, you said live streaming, churches, you know, congregations and pastors, I guess, whoever makes that decision that have never live streamed before, even some big ones. I've talked to some you know, churches of seven, 800 people uh, where the pastors are like, oh, we've never live streamed because we want people to come into the building. So uh, I was actually going to put this, I had it written out in into our, <clears throat> the small group we're part of, uh, but I think I'll just put it out here on the podcast instead. I may still put it in there. I don't know. But my question was, so for the pastors that were like, we're never going to live stream because we're afraid people aren't going to come into the building, right? Now they are, they are live streaming. They don't have any other choice. Right. And my question was, are they going to continue? Because now um, they have been live streaming. There are people who may be watching them that would have never stepped foot in their building. And basically, they have two options. Cut you off. Since you're never going to come into my building, I'm just going to cut you off. You're no longer going to hear the gospel or, or what God may be saying to your life. Uh, and some of those may be Christians. Some of those may be non-Christians. Uh, or they have the option, okay, we're going to continue to live stream. But many of them have said, no, once this is over, we're done. We're not going to continue live streaming. And even there are people who may come into the building regularly, but now they're like, oh, this is good because when I'm, I'm out of town or I have to work or if I'm sick for you know three weeks or whatever, I can just catch it online. That's no longer going to be an option. So what, I what, think, what's the benefit I, of not live streaming? And doesn't that, to me, that also, and, and I'm not judging anyone, but it seems kind of hypocritical. Yeah, I, I don't think there is a benefit for not live streaming. I think there's all kind of benefits to continue to live stream. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but how can, how can the, 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 what's, how, what would be a good justification for the pastor that didn't want to do it, is doing it now, but then for them saying, I'm not going to continue anymore? How, how, I mean, and again, I'm not trying to judge him. I'm just trying to understand. And I was going to put this question in the pastoral group. Yeah, I don't understand what's your justification for not doing that. Now you've been forced into it. It's like the person who says, you know what? I'm never going to marry. That's a bad example. <laughs> then yeah. you meet someone, you fall in love, you marry, and then you say, okay, I'm done. That's a bad example. But I just, I'm trying to understand. Why would you do that? What, your, what, what would be your justification for now saying we're not going to continue live stream it can't be we don't have the technology you do you're using it and and i don't think i don't think there is a good i don't think there is a good answer to not do it i really don't if they're doing it now out of 
necessity. Yeah. Um, then continue to do it. Some change is good. And this is a good change. Now, getting back to what you said before, there may be somebody that's listening to you as a pastor that would never step into your building, that becomes a Christian, still will never step into your building because of issues of, of trust or issues of, um, you know, anything. But they've got some kind of issue why, why they don't that may be starting to say, okay, I like this pastor. I'm going to call him my pastor. I'm going to reach out to him when I need help. And I'm going to send my tithes to him because that's where God's sending me. They may never come into your church, but they're still part of your church. So you cut them off though. (laughs) That's like, that's like t- t- saying to a child when they're 18, get out of my house. You're an adult. You don't have anything. I'm not going to give you anything anymore. I'm not going to do anything for you anymore. You're on your own. Go. Would you ever do that to your child? Hey, here's... <laughs> I'm going to tell you this because if my kids don't listen to the podcast, but if they do, they would come up and say, yes, that's what, that's what our dad did. Although it wasn't quite like that. I told each of them they're on what's called the 90-day program. When you graduate high school, you got 90 days to get a job, uh, get into college, uh, join the military or whatever, but to come up with a plan. And if you have no plan, then yeah, you're, you're, you're out. I was joking with them, but. That's a military dad. (laughs) They they will tell you that. That's what our dad did. He was like, you're, you're, you're out of here. But that's actually not what I did with him. Yeah, and and I'm sure that after that 90 days, if they really needed to stay, you would have said, "Yes, you can stay." And they probably yeah, they all come back and stay for some small period. Yeah, they're they're always welcome here. But yeah. I I I think yeah, to your point, I think it's 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 like going somewhere to a uh, a mission field somewhere, wherever it is. Uh, Sharing the gospel with people who you didn't know, you you know, you just interacting with them through this brief period of time, and then leaving and saying, "Okay, I'm never going to come back. I'm not going to set up anything for you guys to continue to hear the gospel or grow or be discipled." Glad you were here during the time that I wanted to serve. I'm out. Yeah, that that's 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 pretty much what it's doing. So I don't, I don't, and I, again, I'm not judging anyone. Someone may come up with an actual logical, here's why we're not going to continue. And here's the basis on which we're basing that. Um, and I'm kind of like, then why? Now, I know there are some pastors who said, hey, I'm not going to live stream publicly. I just set up a, 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 I only live streamed to our church group. It's closed. So just our church could hear it. Uh, or I just did a Zoom, you know, instead of uh, live streaming on Facebook, I did it via Zoom. And it was just with the people in our church. Those people have that. I get that. They weren't trying to connect with anyone else. Although right. I understand but, why I'm not judging them. So I can understand them saying, I was only speaking to my people. Now that they're coming back, I don't need to keep doing that. I get that. That I can understand. Well, I don't necessarily see why they didn't do it to more people, but I can understand. <coughs> I was just going to say. I can understand them saying I'm not going to. Yeah. I I was going to say that that to me personally, and again, I'm not trying to judge, but to me personally, those pastors who who are just doing it in a closed group don't want their church to grow. Um, You know, because they're not they're not reaching out to the community. Now, what if they say they're finding other ways to reach out <clears throat> in the community and then invite those people one-on-one personally to be a part of their, excuse me, church fellowship? Because I, I had a conversation with one person who said that's what they were doing, which not for me to say what, you know. Yeah, if that works, fine. I I find it hard to comprehend how that would how that would really look, how that would really work. 
Um, it looks like the church is a click and closed to everyone else. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't see how that would really benefit the church, you know, um, but, but that's, that's their, their right to do that. Um, but um, I hope that we don't go, and I said this before, I hope we don't go back to the normal. Oh, me too. I hope this has changed us for good. I, I think one of the other things that has benefited, we have benefited from as Christ followers from this quarantine, the denominational walls are starting to collapse. Yeah. You know, we're, we're starting to be one church of one mind and one spirit. I've seen that here locally where, you know, I know there are church members from other denominations watching the church feed from our church that, that my pastor pastors. So you see the, the denominational walls <clears throat> beginning to crumble Yeah, and maybe not so much in the pastor's minds, but in the people's minds. I hope in the pastor's minds. Too. I hope so too. I hope so too. But I'm just saying, you know, as, we can be, we can be stubborn. So goes the church. Yeah, we can be stubborn. Yes, <laughs> and we can we can lead our sheep to say, okay, those walls were down for a little bit. We need to put those walls back up. Yeah, and, and I hope we don't. I hope that this has really been something to show that. We started in homes. The church started in a home. Yeah. And we're back in a home again. And maybe this is a restart. God says, okay, we're going to restart the church again. You know? well, I and hope we don't mess up the restart. Cause... Yeah. But, but that, that's one thing. I, I just hope we don't go back to the normal. I, I just pray that, that this will just get us out of our old rituals, our old routines, our old traditionals things of doing the way of doing things. And I'll be talking about that in my Bible study tomorrow night a little bit, you know, actually I was going to ask you that now, what are some of the things that like, I know I've, I've, I, I've spoken with our board about some things that we're going to have to do differently just to make people feel safe that aren't, you know, overly aggressive changes, but yeah, uh, like we're we're still going to have an offering time, but we're not going to pass an offering plate. Right. And, and feel weird grabbing a plate or putting touching all. Of yeah. So, and I think that's a good idea. I I I'm one of the big. I'm a big player for a a offering box or collection box yeah. to be put at the door, so when people enter or leave, they can stick their tie in. Yeah. And not worry about it. So that, and I was usually in the past opposed to that only because even though I came from a church that that's the way we did it only because I wanted a time where we acknowledged that one, we're tithing because God has blessed the heck out of us, uh, you know, and maybe that will be an encouragement to someone. And I didn't want to give that up, but now we're still going to have that time. And during that time, we're just going to remind people, Hey, Here's where the boxes are. So at some other point, you know, while you're getting coffee or maybe on your way out, be faithful with your tithe, but we're still going to spend some time praying about it. We're also going to um, rearrange the room because we have chairs. So we're going to rearrange the room, put in more tables and chairs. Uh, and I think, you know, we only lose, I think when I calculated like maybe 20 chairs, which is not a whole lot. Right. When we do it that way, we'll still have some rows in the front. But then the back is going to be predominantly tables and chairs um, so that people are spaced out more and, you know, you're not sitting right next to people uh, differently. Um, and then uh, I was talking to a lady from a church in Elizabeth. Uh, she's the administrator there when I went over there to pray for their church. And uh, she was talking about, and I didn't even think about this. She said, what are you guys going to do about singing? I was like, what do you mean? Like our band is spaced out. She was like, yeah, but no, when the people stand up to sing, you know, if they're standing behind someone, fluids coming out, that's, I was like, I didn't even think about that. That may make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Because everyone's singing, 
stuff is, you know. Well, and I think, I think one way that you can handle that, if if you have a small congregation, is you can stagger people on one end of the pew, people on the other end of the pew, people on one, people on, you know, stagger where they sit. Um, and that may be uncomfortable for a while, but um, it still will be a way to to get over that. You don't have someone breathing down or breathing yeah. on you when they're singing, you know, yeah, if, yeah. if you stagger them. Um, move this, move the the seats further apart since you have chairs. You know, move them, move them a further distance. Um, the other thing I see different is we always had a meet and greet that probably will never happen again, where you go around and hug people and shake hands, and that probably won't happen for a while. Yeah, um, um, there may be a different way to do that and still be safe see that's that's one of those things i i mean we won't shake hands but i think we'll still have a meet and greet time where yeah shake hands but just say hello to someone and air uh, hugs high fives you know give an air high five to the people on the other table (laughs) yeah air high five to the left or right of you Uh, right Still acknowledging the greetingness because that's the heart of the church. But yeah, definitely not handshakes and you know right. And, and it's hard for somebody who likes to hug. I mean, yeah. you know, the huggers, the yeah. huggers are going to have the hardest time with this. You know, yeah. and uh, I mean, handshaking is going to be hard for me because that's the way I've been taught to greet people. Yeah, is you come up to them and you shake, the, give them a good old strong handshake and. Yeah, and we have uh, we just have some very familial people in in our congregation where we'd spend. I mean, service is over, and we'd you know still be a bunch of people hanging out for an hour or two hours yeah. after, just catching up and fellowshipping. So finding a new way to maintain because that's the heart of it's not just about it is the heart of the church. It's the, the coming together as the body of Christ, the ecclesia. You know, an assembly called into public to be together and and this let me throw this out and i I, probably going to get a lot of grief on this one but at what point does our faith and trust in god take over the take over the fears of catching something from someone We did talk about something of that last time. We t- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, when, does that, when does that trust in God come back into play? For me, it should be immediate because we should have never lost our trust in God. Yeah. Um, so if God's going to allow us to be back in the church, allow us to be back in fellowship with one another, which he's never not allowed. Right. Um, shouldn't we follow his instructions? Now, I'm not saying greet everyone with the holy kiss, <laughs> what I'm saying, but shouldn't we follow his instructions in, in being able to love on one another in a good way? I think it's going to take time. Um, the people that know each other more may do it. And the people, so for example, the families who I know, maybe not the first week, a little bit more the second by the third or fourth week, seeing them maybe yeah. okay. Uh, but then the new people, obviously, you know, no one's going to want to go up and hug someone they don't know, but still right. greet them in a cordial way. <clears throat> but I think there's still going to be some some hesitation because even though I know these families, I don't know what they've been doing all week or who else they've interacted with. So I think it may take some time. Um, Let me ask you this. Yeah. What do you think the first sermon should be when people get back to church and be in the church building? 
Um, I don't know. I was talking to our people and I was like, whatever it is, I know our first week back is going to have lots of food, lots of music, lots of celebration and lots of fellowship. Maybe, you know, not hugging on one another, but lots of time hanging out together and getting caught up. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. I probably won't continue. We're walking through first Corinthians. I probably won't continue just continue walking through that, but uh, we'll really let God speak to, hey, God, what, what, what do you want to say to your people? How can I uh, do that? What do you have to say to them that's going to encourage them, that's going to equip them to go out and be the church? And, just... and I was thinking if I was pastoring a church at this point, I think what my first service would be back after this is more of a testimony service, more of allowing them to share what they learned through this virus, what they learned through this time of isolation and quarantine. And, and, and then pick up on the fellowship aspect of what the church is really meant to be. Actually, you know what? Let me pull this up because this morning during my prayer time, um, uh, even though I'm not reading, actually, I was reading through it. Uh, when I read through different passages, um, I'll take down notes on, oh, this will be a great sermon to preach on uh, someday. And then uh, in our daily reading that I'm doing with our congregation, I was reading through Psalm 34. I was like, oh, that would be a great time to allow, do some praise and worship, uh, then do a teaching nugget on the first couple of verses because it's all about praising God, do some more songs, and then turn it over to people to share their praises, their prayers, all that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That, that yeah. Was- I mean, and I would I would probably go with, with First Peter 4 where it talks about um, everything that happens in life no matter what it is, everything that happens in life is getting us ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. It really is. You know, we we have to realize that this isn't our home. We're just passing through here. Our citizenship is a dual citizenship. And our citizenship, once we become a believer, once we become a Christ follower, is in heaven. It's no longer here on earth. So just, you know, that, that's just my thoughts, but I I was just curious. I might even put that out there on the, on our pastors group too, is what is the first sermon you're going to preach when you get back from quarantine? Uh, I may even play Terry Bradshaw new song out. Did have you heard that one? No. It's called quarantine crazy. And Terry Bradshaw sings it. Go on YouTube and Google it, but it's, it is it's hilarious. it's hilarious, but it's a good song. <laughs> All right, I'll have to I'll have to go look that up. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I hope my prayer and my 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 hope and my prayer for every Christ follower going through this is that we have gotten deeper, fallen deeper in love with Christ, and we've grown stronger through Christ and that we're, we're ready to open up our mouths and, and share the gospel with those around us. Even those situations that may be uncomfortable to share that gospel, that we're able to do that. That is my prayer for, for coming out of this. Well, before we close, um, I have not been, I think I missed the last couple updates. So as far as I know, for Pennsylvania, uh, the the timeline is still to start opening some things on the 8th, according to uh, Governor Wolf. Yeah. I don't know about other other localities. And even then, it'll depend, he said, based on some yeah. criteria within each county or region. So West Virginia is hoping to have everything up and running totally by Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, and Restaurants. They, were, they were not hit quite as bad as like no. other places. So that's yeah. 
sounds yeah. reasonable. They're that not going to they're not going to allow theaters to open. They're not going to allow churches more than 25 to open. Um and uh they're going to have a a funeral home they're going to allow funeral homes to open but with limited access. See, and with the the, the churches not allowing you more than 25, you know, how can you control that because especially now People well, he, by don't know how many people are already there, so they're like, I'm going to go to church. Oh, wait, there's 20 cars, there's 10 cars, or yeah. even churches that were small that only had 15, 20 people may see an overflow because of all this because people are right. Like, oh, God. So, and, um, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe churches need to rethink or pastors need to rethink services. Maybe we need to add a service. Maybe we need to um add add the fm channel so people coming in can sit in the parking lot and hear what's going on or have a drive through church for a while yeah we're going into summer have a drive through church for a while until know, we get the clear yeah. i know we were thinking that even after if they say okay churches can open on x date that we might wait at least a week or two Right. When we do it, have the first one be out in a park where people can are, can space out. Uh, yeah. Just, just to be safe. Um, and and uh, that may be that may be the idea, you know. Yeah. Um, because I I honestly think, come July we are going to be back. Yeah. In the church. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I know a pastor who has been. In, in, here in Pennsylvania, who's been continuing to have church services all through this. Um, I'm not saying it's right. I'm gonna say it's wrong. And they I'm have not had they have not had one instance of I'm anybody just, being sick. But I'm still gonna say it's wrong because we had that was one of the discussions we had on the yeah that I lost on uh, when we did this on Good Friday, and that was. You know, because we're saying the one person says, hey, I have faith that A, you know, uh, if I get it, God can heal me. Right. Um, I have faith that God can keep me from getting it. Um, and I have faith that even if I die, I'm going to go be with God. But Paul specifically talked about in Corinthians, not everyone has that faith. And to not let your freedom be a stumbling block is now the person that doesn't have that faith uh, looks and says, okay. Uh, I'm a Christian, so I can just defy the government uh, right. law. So um, I'm I, I'm I'm going to call shenanigans on whoever that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I didn't say I agreed with him specifically. Specifically, right. the church. It's it's a mandate, health wise, for all brothers. Right. And and I'm not saying I agree with him, but it, it is something he chose to do. Um, and I forget where I was going to go with that, but anyways. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to go on. I just wanted. To oh, no, that's okay. Trying to remember and capture what yeah. we talked about before. Yeah, and and um, one of the things that I I do hope that this doesn't cause. I hope this doesn't give people the idea. Oh, well, now the churches are live streaming. I don't have to go back to church. I don't have, I can miss church and not, you know, I can go to a football game and not worry about it because I'm going to get to download of the service later. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Technically. I think, I think the people that had that in their mindset were the ones who weren't coming already. True. I don't think some of the regulars that were, regularly attending you're going to be like now i never after i think those are the ones who are going to miss it and want to attend more frequently well yeah yeah I, uh, I, but uh, i think for those people that say okay i never have to go into the building i'm gonna blame the pulpit because those pastors aren't teaching what the church actually is they're they're the ones teaching church is that gathering on sunday rather than no church is this body of christ and we are the church when we gather together yeah. And yeah, if you've got to miss because you've got to work, if you've got to miss because you want to sleep in and don't feel good, if you've got to miss because, you know, you just got home from a trip late Saturday night, that's great. But when you can, come be a part of the fellowship of the body of Christ because that's what the church is. It's yeah. not the building we're meeting in. And, 
that's and something I, that hopefully we're getting across when we teach. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but that is just some of the things I've seen, even in our pastors group, some of them mentioned about yeah. that was their fear. Yeah, but and, I think even, the, I, even the people that say, I'm not going to, oh, great, I never have to come again. You know what? If you choose never to step into the building again, I would still want you to hear the messages and be edified because you're still being equipped to go out in your circle of influence. Right. Show the love of Christ, share the love of Christ, and invite people to be recipients of Christ's love. So, um, Amen. It's the same thing, you know, just like Paul did. He wrote letters back and forth, you know, to churches that weren't physically, he wasn't physically with. And he said, I still love you, I still pray for you, and I still want to equip you. And we to do the same if we're making it the mandate again that hey if you're not coming into the building you're not being part of the church then we've 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 missed it too exactly and that that was the point i was trying to get at and you said it much better than i did (laughs) all right so we've been at this for a while but uh i'm gonna ask you to pray and then uh we will close this down and hopefully i will be able to save all of this correctly (laughs) don't lose it like we did the last one I was tempted to record it on my phone, but I <laughs> <laughs> maybe it should have. Maybe we need a backup because yeah, just make sure I don't mess this up. So okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that we can um, that we have the technology to do this and to to be able to share our thoughts and our feelings um, with with others. And we just ask that this would be a blessing to someone. That, uh, you know, that this is just two guys sitting here um, talking about you and talking about your love. And uh, we never want to be the focus. We just want you to be the focus of all of this. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would um, just make this a blessing. Help us as we continue through our, our quarantine and our isolation that we we focus on you and focus on your word and your promises and know that this is in your control. And we thank you and we praise you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.